The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We are talking about the Packer Panic Button. It is back. We are doing the Packer Panic Button meter. Uh, we'll get into different topics about the Packers. Whether or not we should push the Panic Button or not, we'll discuss. We're also going to talk about Devontae Adams. Would he like a do-over? If you had a beer with Devontae right now, is he telling you, man, I fuck things up? We'll talk about that. We'll also talk about why I'm not into a Matt Rule revival at the University of Wisconsin. And then I'll probably talk about how the Braves annoy me, along with me being annoyed at myself and a little bit of a Therapy Tuesday session, uh, if you will. Before we get going, uh, just a reminder to rate, review, subscribe. Please do all of those things. If you're already subscribed, leave a rating. It helps us out. If you've already done that, share the podcast, especially if you like it. Like, if you don't like the podcast, if you didn't enjoy the podcast, like, I get it, right? We're not going to go a thousand every time out. So you don't have to share those. But if you dug a podcast, you're like, hey, this was good. Send it out. Send it out on Instagram. Send it out on Twitter. We appreciate all the support. Um, it's really humbling to still hear from people about, oh, I listen to that Milwaukee podcast. Um, I think that one is about as popular as it is to date. That also was the one that I probably sprayed worldwide, honestly, um, and really sort of got into a full-on, like, everybody should listen to this podcast. And it wasn't just essentially me and my followers and people who I, you know, talk to on a regular basis. And I don't know, is that something I need to do for all of them? But I think that would get like, nauseating, right? I think people would get sick of it. But it's a good reminder that I should work on continuing to build my base, which I'll talk about in my annoyance in my Therapy Tuesday session at the end of this. Before we get going, speaking of social media, we are on there too, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, we're also on Facebook under that same name, so make sure you're dropping a follow. If you're not already plugged in, um, if you're coming in from one of those sites, Instagram or TikTok, welcome. Hopefully you enjoy the show and you enjoy what we have here. Let's talk Packer Panic Button and when to push it. So the Packer Panic Button is one of my favorite things. It's a holiday um, in the Tabbing the Keg sports world. Uh, we talk about it every season. You could probably find a podcast each fall that discuss the Packer Panic Button. That exists, right? Because there's always times to push the Packer Panic Button. It exists. It's there. It's live and living color. Uh, it, 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 and the thing is, is it's something that I think all fans go through. I think in the day and age of the 24-7 media, you, you feel panicked about your team. You feel like your team isn't good enough unless you're whomping everybody. And I think watching a team like the Kansas City Chiefs last night, as we all did, and watching what the Chiefs did to the, the Oakland Raiders, or Las Vegas Raiders, in the sense that they were down 17 and nothing, and it did not phase them. They had no sort of like, oh, woe is me, get away from what we're doing. They just kept coming at Vegas. And they knew Vegas had a bad defense. And Patrick Mahomes is out of his mind. Travis Kelsey, while he did not have a big yardage day, uh, thanks to those who had the over on the, the 74, which definitely didn't hit, but he had four touchdowns. Seven catches, 25 yards, four touchdowns. Kelsey was an absolute beast around the red zone. It was impressive to watch. And they never sort of gave in. And so when you watch that, it's easy to panic about what the Packers are. You watch what the Buffalo Bills did. You watch 
what the Dallas Cowboys defense is doing to teams each game looking like the 2000 Ravens or something like that, where they don't need a quarterback. Like Cooper Rush can throw for 100 yards and be this version of Trent or this generation's version of Trent Dilfer. Like, that's all the Cowboys need at this point. So it's natural to be like, why the fuck can't we be here? Well, there are some topics that are worth discussing, and there are others that I won't mention that you can say, hey, maybe we should be pushing a panic button on this. So we will have a panic button meter. We're going to have either a stay away. We're going to have a more hovering, maybe a slight lean. Maybe I'm slightly pushing it. Like it's, it's there. I, my hand is on it, but I'm not pushed fully down. And then there's the full push. Then there's like the slap of it, like you would a desk chair or a, or a desk or your couch cushion, whatever it may be. You have pushed that panic button. So that's how we will play a game, and we will get into it right now. The first one is the Joe Barry defense, and yes, that is a fully pushed panic button. Joe Barry isn't, isn't it, guys? And we talked a lot about it yesterday, but it bears repeating because Joe Barry has not had a defense that looks competent for today's NFL. Joe Barry is having these eight-yard cushions for crosser routes. It's looking a lot like what we saw with Mike Patton before Joe Barry was here. And a lot of the frustrations that the fan base had with Joe Barry, or I'm sorry, Mike Patton, are coming back with Joe Barry. And it's just not acceptable. It is not what this Packers team is built on. They built this defense. They built a defense to be motherfuckers, right? They built this defense to be the reason why Green Bay would win games. That's why they traded Devontae Adams. Now, granted, Adams wanted to leave, but all accounts, Green Bay felt comfortable doing it because they knew they had this nasty defense. This defense is not nasty. If this defense was a dog, it would be a golden retriever. It's that soft right now. It's not a nasty pit bull Doberman, you know, barking at anything that comes near. They have no dogs on this defense right now. Maybe Kenny Clark, but that's it. There isn't a there aren't dogs right now. This defense needs to get better, and it's at the head of the snake, which is Joe Barry. Joe Barry needs to fix things. Joe Barry needs to play like his hair is on fire and not play as conservative as Ted Cruz is with politics. That needs to go out the fucking window starting with the Jets game and get yourself ready for the Buffalo Bills because it seems like Joe Barry is turtling in games and gets away from his stuff and just does just enough to keep the defense on the field and not force the issue. Joe Barry has not forced the issue all season. And you have two weeks before you have to play the best offense in football in the Buffalo Bills. On the road, on a Sunday night. Barry better come with, right? Like if Barry pukes on his shoes in that game, I think Matt LaFleur has the door open to fire him. You have a massive game with Detroit, the following, not massive, but you have a Detroit game that everyone's overlooking, including me, because I was like, oh, you have a massive game with Dallas. You have, a, you have Detroit, then you have Dallas, then you have Tennessee, and then you have Philadelphia. We talked about this stretch with Mitch last week. It is a very difficult stretch for the Green Bay Packers. It's more reason why they kind of couldn't lose to the New York Giants, because that was this is a stretch you had to take advantage of. Green Bay's already one loss out. So they're going to have to make up for it, whether that is 
beating the Buffalo Bills or beating the Philadelphia Eagles, that suddenly makes up for the stretch. I do think they can beat the Cowboys and Titans at home, even though I do think those are not going to be easy games by all accounts, especially after the Packers kind of went through war for three weeks and then they have the Titans sitting there on a Thursday night who are not an easy team to play against, especially with a Green Bay team who has struggled against the run. But the, the more problem about this, and we'll move on to the next panic button topic, but is Barry just, everything seems wrong. It's like there are so many fires to put out. It's not just, hey, it's the run defense anymore. It is the fact that they were giving up explosive plays. It's the fact that they were trying way too hard to contain Saquon and didn't worry about the other guys. It's the fact that Joe Barry looked meek out there and did not look like a leader of men and looked like the guy who was running with his hair on fire all last season and being animated and working with these dudes. That has to change. I will also add this. I think Barry has till Buffalo, and if Buffalo's a disaster and they get embarrassed on national television on prime time, I think Barry will go. But I will say if they lose to the Jets in a similar fashion as they did with the Giants and the defense is still an issue, I think you have to fire Barry. I don't think you let Barry. It's, you're 3-3. Three and three. You're 3-3, three and three, and we can go back to 2010, but that 3-3 three and three is a lot different than this 3-3. Three and three. And I don't know how you could defend having Barry on your staff. I know Matt, Matt LaFleur is a loyal guy. I know Matt LaFleur does a lot to not blame anybody. He took a lot of bullets up there. Like it was like Brian Robinson style. He, he took a ton of bullets and just let everybody sort of, he shouldered that blame. He shouldered blame for Aaron Rodgers. He shouldered blame for Joe Barry. He shouldered blame for individual players. Like give Matt LaFleur a lot of credit. He is a leader of men because that's what leaders do. Not the bullshit Ron Rivera pulled with Carson Wentz. Juxtapose the press conference that LaFleur had and the press conference that Ron Rivera has. You see why one team is three and two and one team is in the gutter. As for Aaron Rodgers, we just mentioned, the Aaron Rodgers aggression angle. I'm hovering over it, okay? It's been really bad. It hasn't been good. Uh, Now, I understand Aaron Rodgers doesn't have Devontae Adams and that's a worthy caveat. But Aaron Rodgers has to do some has to do some fixing. Aaron Rodgers has to do some tweaking. What does that mean? I don't know. But Aaron Rodgers has to re-examine what made him great in 2020 and 2021. It can't just all be Devontae Adams. Okay? It can't, it just can't be. I know Devontae Adams is one of the best receivers in the game. I'm sure it helps. But I have to imagine there are other things that Aaron Rodgers did on the field in those two games two years, excuse me, that real, that made a difference. Whether it's footwork, whether it's his vision, whether it's something we're not even thinking about. Aaron needs to dial that in. And the more, the more I see the reliance on guys like Cobb and Lazard, the more worried I get that it's stunting the development of the rookies of Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson, as well as not getting guys like Robert Tunyon involved who I think is only playing at about 75%. I think once Tunyon gets involved a little bit more, maybe that will help things. Or making sure Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon get into the passing game. Aaron Rodgers has a lot to work on. And I don't know if there's enough time to turn it around, right? 
Like, we've seen rough starts for Rodgers, and he goes on an absolute tear. That has happened before. I'm sure I could dig through the game logs and find that. And maybe that's a project for me for tomorrow's podcast. I know we do storylines, but maybe that's something we do before that. Is Has this happened before? Have we had slow Aaron Rodgers starts? And when do, when does that corner turn? And it's not going to be easy against the Jets. Robert Salah has done really well against Rodgers. They have very good cornerbacks. Rodgers is going to be in for a game with New York. But I think at this point, after getting humbled by the Giants, after barely escaping the Patriots, I don't think there's any more, hey, we can just waltz in and play football. I don't think that exists anymore for the Green Bay Packers. It shouldn't. It should be, this should have been the final wake-up call. And that goes for Rodgers too. So I'm not ready to say that he regressed. I'm not ready to pour dirt on him because I look at the NFC quarterbacks and I don't see a ton of talent. It's Jalen Hurts. Maybe Jalen Hurts and everybody else right now. There's there's not a lot that you can be excited about when it comes to the NFC quarterbacks in general. And quarterbacks are are usually what's going to get you home at the end in January. And I still feel good about what the Packers have with Aaron Rodgers. He just needs to adapt a little bit more. And as we talked about on yesterday's show, which you're going to listen to, is that he just needs to accept he's not the Superman of this team and he can let other guys take the reins and it be more of an Avenger-style thing for the Packers than it's just one guy putting the team on his shoulders. So I'm not ready to say Aaron Rodgers regressed. Get out of there with that. But I am concerned that he might not figure it out. And it might be another year of a very stubborn Aaron Rodgers. Speaking of which, Green Bay's stubbornness. I may slight lean on that. So I'm so what's the difference between a hover and a lean? It's more I think a hover is like you really don't believe in it that heavily. A lean is like, ah fuck, we might have a problem here. Um with the stubbornness, what I mean by that, and I know I just referred to it with Rogers, is I, I mean like that they just won't change, right? Um, there are so many examples of this, all right? Well, let's start with the Jones-Dillon stuff, right? They, in the two losses the Packers had, Matt LaFleur on Monday is like, have to get Jones and Dillon the ball more. All right, you're two for two on that. That should never happen again. Again, like I, I usually hate to talk in absolutes because I feel like it's very like radio shock jock type, like JT DeBrick type shit. Like, this should never happen again, or I can't believe yada yada, bullshit, bullshit, dude radio, yeah, sponsored by Roman, get your dick dick swipes. Anyways, sorry, tangent. Uh, but anyways, yes, like, it shouldn't happen again. Like, okay, you've this is now happening in both your losses. Never again, okay? This, that should not be a reason you lose a football game. And at the end of, at the, end of the year, that should not be a reason you lose the fo- any more football games. If you lose games, get it, right? It's hard to it's hard to win every game in the NFL, right? It's not it's not an easy place to win. So I, I get losing again, but no in no way should the lack of touches for Jones and Dylan be a thing again. It's happened twice, it doesn't need to happen again. Offensive line. Absenovich is convinced that Elton Jenkins is the right tackle of the future for the Green Bay Packers. Great. Packers are trying to get Elton Jenkins paid. Good for them. Josh Nyman needs to be playing on, on the line. Like, we need Josh Nyman on the line. Please, for the love of God, move Jenkins to right guard and Nyman to right tackle. 
the Green Bay Packers are going to be so much better when Royce Newman is the sixth guy, the first guy off the bench. And I, like we said, I think I mentioned this last week too, but it's like Newman's a nice sixth lineman, okay? Like he's fine. Like that's a good guy to have as their sixth lineman. If someone goes down with injury, there it is. I hope David Bakhtiari is ready by this week or next week. I, I feel like there are still obviously some things with the turf you got to worry about in Washington, but at some point you got to rip the Band-Aid off. I understand that David Bakhtiari has worked really hard to go back here, but at some point we need to take the training wheels off. And I, I personally believe it's this week, and if that's the case, then you bump Jenkins in and Diamond's your right tackle. And then Nyman can work on guard and work on trying to understand the differences. Maybe then it's a flip at some point in the year. If Green Bay is true about we want our five guys, it's it, those are the five guys. And anything else is just digging your heels in and being stubborn. Aaron Rodgers, shot plays. We've talked about it ad nauseum the last two days. We don't need to go into it. That's an example of stubbornness. Matt LaFleur not getting rid of his guys. Another stubbornness thing. He didn't get rid of Mo Drayton last year, even though all of us saw special teams as being a problem. Would he do the exact same thing with Joe Barry? Stubbornness from the Packers of trusting the guys they have on the field. DJ Moore is going to be available for the Carolina Panthers. They're already fielding calls about DJ Moore. People need receivers. DJ Moore would help the Packers wide receiver room more than Odell Beckham. Straight up, DJ Moore is a really nice player, a first-round draft pick, has a pretty workable contract, if you will. He has two more years left. He has a, He's only making a million this year, so there really wouldn't be a cap hit. The cap hit comes next year at 19, but you do, 19 million that is, but you do have an out in 2024, so you can get out of that contract after that second year. So if Rodgers retires, hypothetically speaking, you could say, all right, we're going to cut bait with DJ Moore and let him go to free agency and kind of get rid of and shed that $31 million before he's a free agent. But he's also pretty young. Like he's 25 years old right now. So there is definitely that opportunity where DJ Moore should be in high regard. And if it means the Green Bay Packers sacrificing a second or third round pick, I think it makes a lot of sense. I really do. More Dobbs, Watson as your future three wide receivers, that's as good as it gets as a young wide receiving crew. That's, you know, I understand Lazard and I get it. Like I know Rodgers has a relationship with those guys, but at some point we have to ask the question of what's the best thing for the team. And if Lazard and Cobb are still there this year, then that's a five-man stable that's really strong. And if that means Amari Rogers is traded, if that means Sammy Watkins is released, so be it. You can't you, look, you gotta be able to play on the field. And DJ Moore is a guy I think could instantly help the Green Bay Packers. I'm not huge. I think there's other issues with Packers, but it it would help if Green Bay isn't stubborn about their roster. That's another example of stubbornness. Green Bay needs to kind of go all hands on deck here and figure out what are the things that are going to help the Packers take that next step and be in the same conversation with the Buffalo Bills, the Kansas City Chiefs, the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'd put the San Francisco 49ers in there. To me, those are the four best teams in football. If you do two from the AFC, two from the NFC, 
Those are the four best teams in football at this moment. I think the Cowboys are making a case. I think, and I think that's kind of it, honestly. Like, I, I don't know that, then I think it falls off. And the Packers are trying to join that club. They're trying to join the Contenders Club. And they have a long way to go. They have a lot of licensing and other things to figure out before they can get into that club. Uh, because it's not it's not working out for them at this point. And hopefully some of the stubbornness ends sooner rather than later. Other, other panic button things. Uh, we'll go quickly because we've, we've went long on this segment. Uh, Green Bay Packer safeties, it's fully pushed. I worry all the time about Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos. I just don't know what's going on there. Uh, Pete Bukowski uh, brought up a good, good idea uh, with moving Ursul Douglas to safety and putting Darnell Savage into that star position, into that rover position. I'm all for trying it, right? At this point, you might as well try something new and see if it works. Because Darnell Savage has either lost his confidence or he just is not good. It's one of the two. And I felt like there was some promise there. And all of a sudden, the bottom has fallen out. So I personally lean on the side of confidence. Let him play star. Go put Sewell at safety. Maybe even try somebody else. Maybe bring up Micah Abernathy. Bring up, or not bring up, but use Rudy Ford. Who knows, right? Try something different here and let Darnell Savage try to salvage his season. As for Adrian Amos, I think the Packers should have got out this year and should have drafted a safety. There were safeties available when the Packers drafted. I think a safety right now where Devontae Wyatt you know, got drafted would be a lot more valuable for the Green Bay Packers. Christian Watson's development, I'm hovering around that panic, but I just want to see the Packers throw a ball at Christian Watson. Christian Watson, I believe, has not got a target, like an, a legitimate target since week one. That seems very wrong to me. I think there actually have been a couple, but a couple after that. But still, it's it's been a crime. And I don't think we can use, oh, he didn't play in training camp much. It's just, it doesn't make sense to me. I think you need to have Watson more involved, just like you need more jobs. And you need to trust those guys. And we went over that. So we'll see. Uh, let me know if I missed anything. Hit me up on social, Tabby the Keg on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok. If we did miss something and you guys tell me, I can always go and do that tomorrow as like a addendum to the Packer segments we have. Sticking with the NFL, you just have to wonder if Devontae Adams wants a do-over. The Las Vegas Raiders lost again last night in a close game to the Kansas City Chiefs. The Raiders have lost single-digit games in all four of their losses. Some would argue that maybe the Raiders are a team that could rise up from the dead if they learn how to finish. It was a wild game. Devontae Adams, three catches, 124 yards. He had two great touchdowns. The last touchdown hurt, I'm not going to lie. like it, it really hurt to watch that because I have not seen that play made by a Packer receiver all fucking season. And to watch this, the ease of it from Tay was something that I've always loved. And it's something that you grow fond of when he's your guy. And so then when he's not your guy, it hurts that much more. And Devontae's team ended up losing again. He spiked his helmet after the game. He pushed a photographer, which he then apologized for. 
But you have to wonder when Tay flies home to Vegas and his family and everything that he wanted, did he kind of fuck around and find out? My guy Froggy made a comment about that. And it's it's true. Like he fucked around and found out what would happen. He left a perfect situation. He had Aaron Rodgers there who was his guy and the Packers were ready to sign him to a deal and his wife did not want to be in Green Bay anymore. And it's funny, I heard a story, similar story about Tony Bennett, how Tony Bennett was at Washington State and Tony Bennett liked, loved it there, like had a great time. His wife fucking hated it. He left, went to Virginia. He's been there ever since. There you have it. Sometimes that, that occurs. I'm not putting it all on her because I think he wanted to play with his buddy Derek Carr. And the opportunity, and Derek Carr sold him on it and said, oh, how great it's going to be. And it just hasn't been. And if the Packers have Devontae Adams, do they beat the New York Giants? I think so. I think they I think they do. I don't think they beat the Vikings. I think they're probably four and one instead of being three and two. But I also wonder, you know, what does that do for everything else? Would Romeo Dobbs be on the Packers roster? I don't think so. Watson for sure would not be on the roster. Uh, Quay Walker would not be on the roster. And right now in a vacuum, you're like, well, fuck those guys. Like, fine. Maybe Dobbs is the only one you don't say that about. But everybody else are like, okay, that's fine. I think that's really important to wait a couple of years before we hand out winners and losers of the Devontae trade. But back to him himself, it just shows you sometimes that the grass is not always greener. That just because it looks better, it feels better, it might taste even better, it's not always better. There can be things wrong with it. There can be rot. The rot for the Vegas Raiders is that, A, they don't have a very good defense at all. Um, That no matter if it's Gus Bradley or whoever the fuck their defensive coordinator, oh, Patrick Graham from the Giants, whoever their defensive coordinator is, it's just not getting it done. Like, I like Patrick Graham a rot. Like, I'm low-key hoping Patrick Graham might get fired and then he can be the Packers defensive coordinator, be a special assistant to Joe Barry or something along those lines. Like Patrick Graham knows what the fuck he's doing. He's a smart guy. He just, I don't think he has a lot of tools in his tool shed right now. And also against Patrick Mahomes, it's it's not easy. It's not easy to deal with the, with the best quarterback in football, probably. And so that all said, Devontae Adams probably has some thoughts about, hey, I'm not going to make the playoffs since 2018. Uh, This team, while different, it's not what I had in Green Bay. I miss Aaron. Um, I I think there's a lot of that going on. You can't tell me it isn't. That frustration he had after the game, I never saw that out of Monte Adams. Never, ever. So why is it now so frustrated? Is it because he wants to prove everybody wrong and everybody who told him, hey man, be careful of the Raiders, be careful of Derek Carr, they were right. We'll have to see. Uh, We'll have to see how it all nets out. It's a fascinating use case in player empowerment and players getting their way. And Adams bulldozed his way to Vegas and that's how it happened, which sucks. It sucks to hear that. But that's just how the cookie crumbles sometimes, unfortunately, when there's relationships in the NFL. Moving on to our next topic, Matt Rule got himself fired today. Uh, Matt Rule is no longer 
the coach of the Carolina Panthers. Immediately, everybody in the college football world was rushing to give Matt Rule a job. First of all, Matt Rule has $40 million to sit on. That's pretty fucking nice. If I had $40 million to do absolutely nothing, I would do just that. Now, I understand as someone who's been unemployed before that after two weeks, you're like, ah, kind of want to get back to work. And then you start doing stuff that gets you ready to work again. I'm sure Matt Rule will field calls from boosters at Nebraska, boosters at Auburn, boosters at Arizona State, and maybe even boosters at Wisconsin. But I don't want Matt Rule to be a Wisconsin Badger head football coach. Now, we're all in agreement that Jim Leonard is going to get this job as long as Jim Leonard keeps winning football games. That is a fact, so I want people to understand that. And hopefully I don't need to repeat it every time that we're talking about coaching circle stuff with the Wisconsin Badgers. I do not want the Matt Rule reclamation project. I understand what he did at Baylor. I understand what he did at Temple. But that was Matt Rule grinding to be an NFL coach. Now Matt Matt Rule has $40 million. That grind, that fire, that drive is not going to be there like it was when the guy was coming up which to me is a little bit of a red flag. It's not like the days of Pete Carroll when Pete Carroll flamed out as a Patriots head coach, gets a job at USC and is fucking awesome and wins multiple national championships. That is not what I'm seeing here because Pete Carroll was not sitting on $40 million. Like Matt Rule could go into Nebraska, go into Arizona State, go into Auburn, and be like, all right, I'm Matt Rule. I'm going to change the program, yada, yada. Brought my guy Phil Snow along with me. And then he just stops kind of caring after a couple of weeks because he has 40 fucking million dollars to his name. And I just don't think that that should be part of the Badgers plan. I'm okay with going outside of the family because I think that it gets way overblown that it has to be somebody with Alvarez or Chris McIntosh ties like that, that stuff shouldn't be, shouldn't be considered. I think it really comes down to, do you understand the state of Wisconsin? Do you understand your recruiting history? Do you understand the walk-ons? It, do you understand all of those things as you apply for this job? That to me is, are the crucial parts of it to avoid another Gary Anderson. And I don't think that rule would be at Gary Anderson's level. I just worry Is he just cashing a check? Is he just working because he needs to work because he doesn't want to be around his wife and kids? That would be my biggest concern with Matt Rule. And that goes for Nebraska. If he goes to Nebraska, great. And that, to me, I think for a lot of Nebraska fans would be, they'd be elated. They would love that move. But I would just be careful what you wish for, right? It's not a a hungry dog anymore. That dog is well-fed. That dog needs to go on a diet. That's how well-fed that dog is. So to, to think somehow that Matt Rule will have that same fire, I just don't. And again, he has upper Midwest connections, but really where we've seen Matt Rule at this point is the Northeast. Well, there was a temple. He was with Penn State uh, previously. So it's like he knows that Northeast. He knows the Northeast really well, and he got to know Texas. So how does that align with what Wisconsin wants to do? 
I just think that putting Wisconsin in there is to draw attention for people because I, I really personally do not see a pathway for Matt Rule. I, I think he goes somewhere else, um, as the ones mentioned. I, I think Nebraska gives him the best shot to succeed. I think Auburn, there is way too much pressure and there's way too much like you have to win now. Like if Rule were to lose his first non-conference game as a coach, there would already be fire rules posts on the message boards. They'd be ready to go. And the other job, Arizona State, they just can't afford. Like they're, they don't care that much about football. So because they don't care that much about football, why would you want to go to a place that is basically telling you, eh, you know, how important are you really? That that part to me is like, I, I don't know if that, that works in today's society. So I think the choice is Nebraska. I can understand Auburn. I think you get paid a lot. But again, you've made $40 million. How much more can one make? But I guess, you know, strike while the iron's hot. Last thought on rule. I just also don't think he brings a ton of excitement. He's not an engaging guy. He's a very analytical, sound mind dude. He, he just doesn't give you a ton of quotes. And again, I, I don't know how different he is from like what Jim Leonard can bring to the table. I realize Rule has done it, but I just don't buy in that it's going to be the same guy. And so, so we'll see, see where he ends up. He could be a Big Ten coach, could be an SEC coach, could be a Pac-12 coach, or as mentioned, Rule could just sit on his $40 million and do, and do absolutely nothing because I think that's what I would do. Last couple things before we wrap up. Uh, first of all, fuck the Braves. <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not serious, but man, what the fuck? They signed all their young guys. Spencer Strider, six years, $75 million deal. Done. Got it done. They just continue to figure out a market inefficiency in the league. And I guess that market inefficiency is signing young players and signing players before maybe baseball tells them to. And that has worked out in their favor. And they've worked the cap to be backloaded for the most part. A lot of these contracts are not front-loaded. Uh, they are backloaded. And so it's more of a future me problem. But they're able to manage it. And the question is, why can't everybody else? And the question is, if David Stearns were to leave, I would probably put the Braves and Astros as the two teams that I want to hire from. Because I think both are doing it in such unique ways. And both matter and that's kind of where where I would go. But it's really annoying as a Brewers fan to watch it keep happening. Now, what I'll be curious about is if the what the Brewers end up doing from a major league roster perspective, will a guy like Jackson Trio get paid out the gate? That to me is one of the bigger headlines this winter. And we're gonna to do a podcast with Mitch Thursday about how to fix the Brewers uh, and just talk about. Just what are the different things that we would do to help out the Brewers? So we'll see. Stay tuned for that. Lastly, uh, Therapy Tuesday. Um, no sponsor on that yet. Um, this is where I just shoot from the hip uh, and just say what's on my mind. I am getting increasingly annoying at how much time I waste. I might be the biggest time waster in all of Southeastern Wisconsin. I procrastinate with the best of them. And it's not like... It's not forced procrastination, right? It's just I'll get on my phone 
and I'll be on it for a while and all of a sudden I'll look up and it's 11 o'clock and I'll look up and it's 11.30 now. Oh, it's 11.45. And it's like, I am so selfish about not wanting to sleep. Like I don't mind burning a candle from end to end here and there, but it's, I, I, I've fallen into this pattern and it's just so fucking annoying. And I don't exactly know how to fix it. Like I, I, I would love if I could find a way to be able to balance everything. And also too, like I kind of want to get back into blogging, but I'm like, where's the time? It's like, can you do it when you're dicking around? I don't know. But it's one of those things too, where it's like everybody deserves a rest, right? Like everybody deserves time to just glaze out on their phone, okay? Or watch their favorite show. But it impacts everything for me. Where it's like, if I, I can't just seem to do it for five minutes or 10 minutes or 15, even 15. 15 is a little strong, but you get my point, right? Like I just can't seem to sort of break out of it, which sucks. And it just puts me behind on so much shit and makes me more tired and and every it just the shit rolls downhill when the procrastination starts so something i gotta work on um i don't know if therapy tuesdays will be a thing but i kind of liked it i enjoy dumping my brain out a little bit giving my thoughts that aren't sports related and i hope it's not too boring i hope you guys enjoyed it and that will do it for today's show uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, we'll do Packers Jets storylines. We'll turn the page, if you will, to Packers Jets. And I'm sure we'll talk about a variety of other topics as well. Maybe we'll squeeze a Bucks topic in there since we haven't talked about the Bucks in two days. Um, I think they play tomorrow, actually. So we'll we'll talk about if anything from preseason has stood out this far. Uh, but yeah, more to come from the... Tapping the keg, boys. Make sure that you are rating and reviewing as well as subscribing to this podcast. We'd appreciate it. All right. Take care of yourself. Have a good one. Bye.